Hello there, guys. Welcome to the Manchester Football Social Podcast. Uh, I'm here today with Sam Lee from Goal.com and Fanzone Danny. We've got a hell of a show lined up for you today. Don't forget as well, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Search our name on your podcast provider and find us so you get updates and notifications every time a new podcast goes live. But today we're going to talk about the elephant in the room, attendances. We're going to have a bit of transfer talk with Sam Lee and also talk to the legend, Paul Dickov. Manchester City Football Social with Blue Moon Rising. Good evening and welcome to XS Manchester. It is Tuesday the 15th of January. It is six till seven, non-stop chat about the Blues. Uh, and I'm not going to be alone tonight. As uh, last week, we've been both invited back. We've got Steve <laughs> McInerney uh, in the studio with us. Good evening, Steve. How are you, mate? I'm very good, Danny. How are you doing? Really good, really good. And we've got a very, uh, a very on. special, should we say a very special guest? What oh, do you reckon? Does, yeah, he, does he get the special guest title? I think He's so. We, uh, we've got I Sam am. Lee, uh, who is going to be talking with us about City. How are you doing, Sam? Yeah, very well, thanks. Even better for hearing that warm introduction. Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome on board. Welcome come on this blue train we've got plenty going on uh, we're gonna start off by talking about uh, the city v wolves game last night uh, i want you guys i get your guys opinion on edison is he better than paul pogba because i reckon there's a comparison <laughs> to make there uh, then after the break we're going to be talking oh actually actually we in the first part of the show We've got Paul Dickoff coming on the line. He's coming up very shortly. He's got a game of five-a-side going on later, so we have to get him on quickly. Second section of the show, we're going to be talking about the Etihad. We're going to address the elephant in the room, which is the atmosphere, uh, the, the the empty seats at the Etihad last night, and we're going to debate that. And to do so, we've got the, the, probably the best person that can give an educated opinion on it. We've got the General Secretary of the Supporters Club, Mr Kevin Parker. He will be coming on. And then in the final section, we're going to throw it out to you. We've been putting out on Twitter today... Uh, all three of us uh, getting some questions from you guys what you want to want you want to know about I'm sure Sam is going to get inundated with transfer tweets um, me and Steve have already give him a, uh, give him a rundown on that but he's not giving too much away at the moment so uh, so there we go so firstly um, Steve tell us last night 3-0 convincing victory against Wolves yeah. um, yes 10 men but I mean I was at the game last night I felt we were always going to win that game I, I was nervous before, and I think it's because we've got this awkward situation now when Liverpool play first that we are inevitably seven points behind. So I, I was a little bit apprehensive, and I just wanted a game uh, that was going to be kind of nice and easy, and I wanted it to kind of pass without a hitch and beat. To be honest, I wanted it to be a relatively boring game, like a sensibly boring game, just to kind of get us back on track. Because after Liverpool victory, which was, you know, a cure to some of the woes in December, then obviously the two crazy kind of slaughterings, they don't, they're just not like normal games of football, those two. You just want to see how they reacted after that. And that fourth game that fourth victory in a row um, really stamped the fact that Man City are back you know in terms of the city that we saw start the season uh, and it was just really reassuring for me uh, just to see us focus still and, and not take our foot off the gas I mean I didn't think we were going to do that but you never know because Wolves uh, have been seen as a bit of a bogey team for the top six sides I think they had um, the best record uh, outside the top six against top six clubs this season uh, so in general they were, weren't an easy game to play I mean it was helped obviously by uh, the red card situation which was a deserved red card but other than that we kind of looked comfortable a couple of half decent chances for Wolves but we looked like a team uh, who had a job to do and we, we largely did it really yeah and and, and Sam Wolves um, I don't like Steve said there they're no mugs you know they, yeah. they're definitely against the the kind of higher end of the table the teams that are, are riding high they, they, they cause them problems I mean you very much know what you're getting with Wolves they're a, they're a counter a, a counter attacking side they let you have the ball they hit you with pace on the break um, they tried that I would say in little spells last night, but I don't know what your thoughts were, but did you feel it was a pretty convincing, comfortable victory for City last night? Yeah, well, I mean, Wolves were a bit more 
conservative, obviously away from home, than they were back at Molyneux because they played a really good game at the start of the season and they just made it really difficult for City to find them kind of spaces. But yesterday it was more, kind of more of the same we expect from you know, when City's opponents turn up at the Etihad and they just sit back and they sit deep and it's just a low block basically and City have got to get through them. And yeah, to be fair, City haven't always done brilliantly, you know, obviously thinking about about the Palace game over Christmas where they just resorted to a lot of crosses. But yesterday, the early goal, it's always going to help. I think City have scored 11 goals in the first 15 minutes this season and the, mm. I think Spurs is second in that list. They've only got six. Mm. So big, big goals, early goals are key for City uh, this season especially. And yeah, after that red card, that was it basically. The, but the thing with that red card was, why does everything have to be blown up? For like, oh, what if it was oh, this? God, and yeah, was this a red card? And company like, trending last but, night on Twitter as well. Well, the company thing is one thing, but then you see other things like betting companies or whatever. They go, is this a red card? And there's a picture of Bolly's studs on Bernardo Silva's ankle, <laughs> and it's like, well, <laughs> what are you asking the question for? Obviously, it is, and it is literally just to start arguments and, it was the and get the company well. thing. And I mean, we can tie ourselves up in knots. We can talk about like they asked Guardiola about it in the press conference afterwards. And he, he didn't want to get into it, but straight away, and this is this is probably a sensible way to do it, he didn't go back to the company in Salah when he said, well, we had Dalf sent off against Wigan last season and, and all of these yeah. things and all these different things. Sometimes you have decisions go for you, sometimes you have decisions go against you. But in this case, it was the right decision. So mm. what do you want them to do? If, I, well, if company should have been sent off in the first place, do they want them to compound that and do a bad decision this time and not send Bonnie <laughs> off? It, it doesn't make any and sense. He, and even the the Wolves manager, um, Nuno Espirito yeah, Santos, yeah. he, he had no... Qualms with the decision, he, he felt it was a sending off. Yeah. Um, a little bit of justice, I'd say, for that handball yeah, goal. Well. In the, uh, in, <laughs> karma, in, you know, yeah, karma's great. It does come yeah. back to bite you, doesn't it? But I think, I, I mean, my my kind of impression on last night, I, I felt we were totally in control of the game. I think they did have little spells, even you know, I, I in a funny sort of way. The ten men kind of ruined the game because yeah. they sat yeah, so much more deeper than they normally would. That just made it for a bit of a non-event, really. In terms of, you, it's not a game, Steve. You go home, I guess, and, and watch it again on on Sky, is it? <laughs> it wasn't one of them, but it was like you said, comfortable, no injuries, no, re you know, again, a second gear we performance from that. City, but just did enough again to to win. The only really thing of note for me was um, Kevin De Bruyne coming on. Like yeah. I generally thought there was, um, uh, you could see that he wanted to do something. He wanted to have some moment there that he. Yeah, ended up in a goal or assist, and um, then that uh, shot he had about hundred miles an hour. Oh, <laughs> yeah. if, it, if that had hit yeah. the net, yeah, I've hit that. If that hit someone as well, are they okay? <laughs> the person who went near, like that <laughs> was uh, on fire, wasn't it? But he was just seeing. I think every game he's had now, he's come back. I don't, I can't confirm this, but he feels like he's had a goal and an assist or an involvement in a key chances now since he's come back, and it's almost like he's trying to make up for for uh, for lost time. And if I was a fan of Liverpool now, and you've got someone like De Bruyne trying to basically have an incredible second half of the season, that's the kind of like energy and desire that maybe we need to keep keep, uh, keep kicking on now towards the end of the season yeah. and he is that kind of talismanic figure and he, he's got a fire and intensity to his game he's not quite there yet his radar's a bit off I would say still yeah. uh, but I just loved how much it meant to him and I loved how much it meant to him the other day when he got subbed off as well because he yeah. obviously wants to win he said as well in the, uh, the interview how he doesn't like losing even to games to his kids and stuff like that and his missus and he's uh He's a hell of a player. He is a hell of a player. And he's got that X factor, Sam, hasn't yeah. he? You know, because we were talking about this at, on City Square after the game last night. Kind of, you know, to me, Kevin De Bruyne, if Kevin, Kevin De Bruyne's fit, he needs to be in the team. I, I know you're going to say, well, who do you leave out? Well, that's what Pep Guardiola gets yeah. paid a lot of money to do. But I think 
um, the difference that, that De Bruyne makes, particularly when his radar is on. He, he can play passes, he can see things that very, very few players can see. And, and like Steve said there, he seemed to have a bee in his bonnet last night. He really yeah. wanted to to make sure he was you know getting them balls in the box. And obviously the third goal came from a, a lovely delivery from the left-hand side, right-footed, mm. you know, took a deflection from Connor Cody, which was quite uh, a nice thing, given that all these Liverpool fans have been um, <laughs> bigging Connor Cody up to, to get a goal against us last night. He stuck one in his net. We know where his priorities <laughs> lie. But, but what's your, just, just, just before we get our, 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 the main man on, um, what's your thoughts on Kevin De Bruyne? Is he somebody that you feel, if he's fit, needs to be in that lineup, no matter who else misses out? Yeah, of course. Um, I normally wouldn't say that about any player in any team, but I think De Bruyne, even in a team as good as City's, and we've seen how well City have coped without him, but even so, he's, he's got everything, like you say. And Guardiola said it himself, he can see that pass, he's got that X factor. You know, there's there's passes that nobody else can see, they don't even exist to anyone else, and he does it. And, and a few times this season, he's come back from injuries, and we've been treated to little flashes of it, but then he's got injured again. And that is going to be the difference, I think. When he's back in the team, when he's 100% fit and ready to go from the start, that's going to be the difference. And in terms of City chasing down this four-point gap... De Bruyne is going to be the difference. And he was last night because Guardiola said, you know, obviously against 10 men, the game was kind of up. But City were, Guardiola said, City weren't attacking the boxes as they should have done. But he said that changed when Guardiola, uh, when De Bruyne came on. Yeah. And I think that's pretty much going to sum up how the rest of the season will go. Okay, and that's the thoughts from Sam. That's the thoughts from Steve. Let's get the thoughts from the main man, Manchester City legend. The scorer of, in my opinion, the most important goal in our history. Welcome to the show, Mr. Paul Dickoff. How are you, Dickie? Good evening, guys. How are we all? I'm good, mate. Can how I are you? Say, you okay? Can I say, Paul, all thank you. for speaking to you as always, Danny. Thanks, pal. I just want to say, uh, Paul, thank you for that goal. Honestly, <laughs> I, like 13-year-old me was in tears at that moment uh, and you, you, you made my year, so thank you very much for that goal. True well, legend. really old then. Were you only 13? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was, yeah. <laughs> Will you be uh, bagging a few at five-a-side? How's the, uh, the hamstrings these days? Paul, they holding up? Uh, not too bad. Yeah, a little five-a-side game tonight. Get the call bibs off the boost. Daniel, you use both known. Um, I'm not very competitive and quite laid back when it comes to these <laughs> games, so, so we're looking forward to it. Yeah, Some good. Football. Yeah. Well, well, last night, I mean, obviously, we've just been talking there, City have gone through maybe that little blip, you know, the, the three losses in four games, they bounced back in style with the, you know, the Southampton game, the particularly the Liverpool game, the Cup game last night. You know, how, how do you see City now, Paul? I mean, we're talking about De Bruyne back, we're getting a lot of our injured players back. How do you see kind of City's performances at the moment and, and are you kind of concerned that this four-point gap's still there or do you think we'll track them down? No, I think we'll track them down. Danny, I said that even before the Liverpool game, I felt it was a game we had to win. If we did win it, um, I fancied us um, to go on and track them down and actually win the league. You know, I think Ian was talking there about De Bruyne. I think it's imperative that not just De Bruyne, um, but David Silva and Fernandinho in there. You know, I was reading the other day there that they've not started a Premier League game in the same team this season, which yeah. is amazing. Um, so if you can get their three fit, um, I think there's every single chance. And I know people are saying that Kevin didn't look happy and everything else. I don't think that's a bad thing. It just proves that he wants to play, that he's desperate to play. Um, and I agree with what you were saying just before I came on. I think keeping him fit from now to the end of the season could be the, could be the difference. Can you uh, recall any moments like that, Paul, during your career where you had that kind of De Bruyne frustration of being subbed off and little bits where the press might have gone, oh, there's an issue there, but behind the scenes, it's nothing. <laughs> I was usually on the bench, mate. <laughs> 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 yeah, not when it matters. Yeah, no, I was one of these 
players that if I wasn't playing or I was getting taken off um, I would go and speak to the manager about it mainly because I was just I knew how lucky I was to be in the profession that I was in um, and I wanted to play every single game even if it was Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday you know you want to play games and I think in this day and age in the era of footballers now there's not enough of that I think it's great to see Kevin De Bruyne one of the best players in the world desperate to play when some other players recently especially in the past few seasons have been quite happy to sit on the bench Yeah Hi Paul, it's Sam, good to speak to you mate um, Hi Sam, you're just, okay, Yeah, good thanks mate, just wanted to speak to you with your strikers hat on if it's ever off, um, Gabriel Jesus now back in form um, when he first came two years ago he was pretty much the main man above, even above Aguero, now that's kind of roles reversed, but how, how do you see them two working alongside each other uh, over the rest of the season, and also did you see Aguero's reaction when yeah, Jesus was down injured yesterday that, <laughs> Yeah <laughs> Not the most serious of characters, is he, Sergio? No, he's not, he's not. It's good to see them having a bit of fun as well, isn't it? Um, I think, well, to answer the first question, I'm I'm just delighted for for Gabriel Jesus. You know, he was coming in for a little bit of stick of some parts of the fans, even, what, six weeks ago? Um, And little bits of media stuff that I I kept saying that in in football in terms, he's only a baby still. You know, he's young. Pep Guardiola is not stupid. He's not going to be playing... Um, Gabriel Jesus doesn't think he's up to the task and I, I genuinely think that he's going to be a star you know he's, he's Brazil's number nine at 21 year old you know that tells you something in itself and I think if anything when he was going through that little bit of a sticky patch he was, he was possibly trying too hard you know he's, there's no doubt in his work ethic he works his socks off for the team he has good quality but people still have to sort of the fact that in, in actual game terms under his belt that he is he's still a baby but he's, he's going to have a huge future at the club there's no doubt about that yeah and as a just kind of from a management point of view we talk about tracking uh, Liverpool down and, and hopefully closing this gap you know from as, as, as somebody who's been a manager how will Klopp be feeling kind of knowing that it's a long time since Liverpool have won have won the league um, kind of the pressures the, the, they're the front runners City are there to close them down but you know the pressure's really on them to, to keep performing you know, as a as a manager, do you think that will kind of how does that affect someone like you know Jurgen Klopp? How would it have affected you? Maybe obviously, maybe not at that level, but how would it have affected you as a manager? Um, you just try and keep it away from the players and get them as relaxed as you can. You know, um, I think it's quite easy for them to do that at the minute with the four point gap. I think as the season goes on and it comes to that business end of the season, that's when the pressure really cranks up. And that's another reason, you know, City's got a change in for the winners. They know how to win the Premier League. They know how to win trophies. Um, and Liverpool, in that sense, as great as they've been this season, are slightly experienced in that. You know, and the pressure will come on them at some point, and that's how they handle it. Um, the clock's been there before with Dortmund. You know, he'll know he's experienced enough to um, try and take the pressure off the players. But when the big games start coming at the end of the season, that's when it really cranks up, and that's when I expect City to take advantage. Mm. And so, as Steve mentioned about me, you know, the, the rumours about De Bruyne. Um, maybe having a little bit of a spat with Guardiola and that kind of thing. Now, come on, spill the beans, Paul. You are a fiery character. Have you got any uh, any times you can remember specifically where you know, you'd know you fallen out of a manager or uh, any any particular arguments you can tell us about? Uh, I can honestly never really fell out with any of the managers. Come on! Um, was, I will admit there was plenty of arguments. Um, on numerous, like, if I'd been taken off or I didn't agree with something, you know, I was quite... Um, I was spoken in the changing room when I had to be, believe it or not. Um, but the one thing I would always do as well, um, whether I thought I was right or was wrong, Monday morning, he's the manager, he's the gaffer, you've got to respect what he does. 
and I'm going to apologise if there was any falling out. Yeah, yeah. And just final question before we let you, uh, you know, get get the winter green on, get the boots ready. Um, what it's January. I mean, there is uh, an opportunity for City to make some signings uh, this month. Do you see any any coming in, or do you believe Pep that uh, we're not going to be be getting the wallet out in January? No, I, I think that he's come out numerous times now and said that um, and there won't be any signings in January. And I think if you look at the recruitment since he's been in, you know, the, the, they identify targets. You know, they've got Cheeky there, they've got Ferran, they're working, being inside the club as such um, quite a lot recently. I know the hard work that's going on behind the scenes to get players in, but it, it will be in the summer, I would imagine, you know, because they've shown they're not going to panic by with the Mares situation, the Sanchez situation last January. Um, they show that they're not going to get held to ransom by anyone. But they'll have their targets in place already for the summer, I'm sure of it. Absolutely. Well, uh, listen, it's been great great speaking to you, mate. Great having you on. Uh, any any exotic trips you've got planned with City? You like, you like City's very own Judy Chalmers, aren't you? You're never in, uh, never in the <laughs> UK. One, I love it. Yeah, I've used it twice now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think there's a few coming up in the next couple of months, mate. That's... Um, <sighs> So I'm being told at the minute. It's actually been nice to be home for a few weeks, Danny, if I'm uh, being honest. Yeah, I'm not sure your missus feels the same, but there you go. Anyway, <laughs> listen. She, she, she's, ready, she's ready to kick me out. On <laughs> <on that one. laughs> Suitgate, pal. Case packed. Uh, brilliant. Listen, Dickie, great having you on, mate. Uh, Any time. We'd love to get you on another time in the future. Thanks for your time tonight. And good luck at the game. Cheers, buddy. Take, Take care. care Cheers. Thanks, mate. The one and only Paul Dickoff. I mean, do you get goosebumps, Steve, as a blue, knowing what he did? Because in my, my opinion, I mean, we can talk about Aguero's goal, but that goal that Dickoff scored is the most important goal in our oh, history. Yeah. I don't know about yourself. I mean, I, at this point, some context, I've been bullied every day in school for the past four or five years at that point uh, by United fans. Uh, so for me, that was like, I think that was... I love football before that, 100%. But that was the most fun I'd ever had in a single moment in football uh, at that moment. And it just, it changed uh, it changed the course of Manchester City's history. No one would doubt that. And Paul Dickov, um, he, he's a legend for that moment in particular. Uh, and I'll never forget that game. I'll never forget the tears from that game. Quite that emotionally, Steve. Oh, it was just something else. And I think every City fan, and that's the one thing as well that makes it better supporting this club, in my opinion. Because we've been there, we've been down that low, and we've seen what it's like to be on the other side of it and because of that that's why the uh, the league win when it eventually came the 93-20 moment that's why it felt sweeter because we've seen the other side of it uh, so I would never change that for the world Fantastic well we are going to go to a break but after the break we're going to be talking about well everybody's been talking about it they can't focus on the uh, the amazing result from the Etihad last night they have to focus on the empty seats the atmosphere so we're going to address that after the break if you'd uh, like to get involved give us a call 03451 or get us on text 87711 or even tweet us at MCR Footy Social. And we're going to be speaking with the General Secretary of the Manchester City Supporters Club, Kevin Parker. Excess Manchester. If you lost. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. 
any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at Shopify.com slash records. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Manchester City Football Social with Blue Moon Rising. Hello there guys, it's Stephen here, back on the Manchester Football Social. We're locked in talking about Manchester City all night, and we've got the um, most contentious issue in football at the moment. I'll leave you on that kind of cliffhanger before I introduce it. I've got Sam Lee from Goal.com uh, next Hello. to me. You alright Sam? Very well, thank you. We've got obviously uh, Fanzone Danny here as well. Uh, he's, just, he's just kind of going through his phone book, showing off all the all the footballs he's got. Richard <laughs> Gold, Bolnikov. But anyway, uh, we're going to talk about um, the elephant in the room, the the attendance and the atmosphere issues that have been all around social media at the moment. You can get involved as well on the phone number if you want to ring in, chat to us in the studio. It's oh three four five treble one seventy six twenty five, or you can text in eight seven seven one one. We've got Kevin uh, Park on the on the call, I think, a general secretary of the Sports Club coming up soon, and also uh, we've got a few fans who are going to have their opinions on the current state of the uh, attendance debate. But before that, before we go to him, I wanted to see what the guys in the studio think, really. like Sam, what's your take on this whole <laughs> palaver? It's such a broad thing to try and boil down, but I think, basically, there's so many things that go into it, but we always see, there's always these surveys about how expensive it is for football fans these days, and it is. Yeah. And whenever there's FA Cup draws or whatever, and Carlisle have got to go to Exeter for a, a midday kickoff, we always say people don't care about the fans, and they don't take into consideration you know, the travel arrangements and this kind of thing. And if everyone's rightly thinking, this is terrible, fans aren't treated right. And then when fans don't go to games, for some of <laughs> reasons like this, it's just seen as an opportunity to take the mick on Twitter. And people don't take that into, into account. It's just, here's a stick to beat City with. Let, let them have it. They don't actually think about the human side. Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's so many mitigating circumstances to, to why people don't turn up. I mean, I don't know how people can give a give somebody stick if they can't afford to go to a game. You know, or, or the game gets rearranged from a weekend to a Monday night. I mean, who wants to he wants to play play football, or go to a, a game on a Monday night? It just doesn't do anything for me. Um, so I think there's so many factors that contribute to maybe poor attendances. And let's not kid ourselves. This isn't just City, Sam. This is this is this yeah, is football in general. Right? So, uh, but but my opinion means a little bit a man whose opinion means a hell of a lot more yeah. is the guy we've got on the line now we've got uh, the general secretary of the supporter club we've got mr kevin parker good evening kevin how are you mate good evening danny you're a gentleman oh. i wish someone would say you're a liar to say that about <laughs> me too but i mean every you. word kevin i might need champions league final tickets you see so i've got to keep i've got to keep you as sweet as i can <laughs> That one, not I'm over kidding. the radio as well. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. <laughs> Listen, Kevin. I mean, what's your thoughts on on this? Because I mean, you know, you look at the, the the result, the performance last night. You know, there's enough to talk about there. But everything that we've seen since on social media, the news, the radio stations, are just talking about empty seats. They're talking about the lack of atmosphere. What were, what was your thoughts on on that last night? Listen, I thought the atmosphere last night was a little bit flat. To be honest with you, it. it, it um, which surprised me a little bit because I thought after the last three home games, you know, against 
Liverpool beating then 2-1 but full house an absolutely fantastic atmosphere uh, for that game and then of course we had the 7-0 and the 9-0 so I thought last night the atmosphere might have been um, a little bit better than it was to be honest with you but atmosphere can be hit and miss stadiums all over the country to be honest with you you know you hear people talking about the atmosphere at Anfield well for two three minutes when they sing you'll never walk alone it's fantastic don't get me on this Kevin I'll be here all night it goes flat but that's not a criticism just of Liverpool there are a lot of stadiums around the country when you go to the game now the atmosphere is flat I think it's related to all seater stadium listen we went to Leicester on, on Boxing Day and, and actually the atmosphere there in the second half wasn't too bad from their fans point of view they, they got the you know they scored um, they got the equaliser and, the, and then they put a bit of pressure on and they were very very loud to be honest with you but that's few and far between but in terms of empty seats it's 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 a story that's not going to go away. For some reason, the media seem to want to target City on this, whereas you look at stadiums like Wembley, where Spurs are playing, and Arsenal last season. We played Arsenal last season after we beat them 3-0 oh. in the Carabao Cup final. And there were probably 30,000 people in the stadium. And yet, no real criticism uh, is is levelled at them. And the thing that really annoys me about the people who are pointing the finger about um, empty seats. Sam's right, by the way. They talk about all this money going into um, football for TV companies, and, and they, they're actively encouraging people to watch the, the game live on television. And when people do that, people are then being critical that they're not in the stadium. So that's one point. But secondly, the likes of, um, you know, um, Jason Cundy uh, and the uh, the rest of the TalkSport people, they probably they pr- probably either have never or can't remember the last time they ever had to pay for a ticket to go to a game, and they probably still don't go. The thing you know, that it's very sorry, oh, mate. Sorry. Carry on. I thought you stopped. Carry on, mate. Sorry. It's very difficult. It's very very expensive. We've had four home games in uh, in in eleven days. And by the way, it's not just about the money because a lot of the empty seats last night, particularly in the family stand, will be season tickets. But that's a game that kicks off at eight o'clock at night. That's going to finish just before ten o'clock. Then those people, those families have got to get home. The kids might not be home until eleven o'clock. And I think a lot of families are making the right decision and saying, you know what. It's too much. We've got to get you out of school. We've got to chase to the ground. We've then got to get to the ground. We've got to watch the game. We've got to get home afterwards. By the time we get into bed, it's midnight. And parents are probably saying, I'm not doing that for a night game. Well, one of the reasons they're not doing that for a night game is they know that they can stay at home. And guess what? I'm watching live on the television. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a solution, mate? Uh, like in terms of like, do you feel like the club listen to? Obviously, you're the uh, the secretary of the sports club. Do you feel like the club listen uh, to the fans when you speak to them about forty nine pounds tickets on a Monday night after you know it's New Year, everyone's skin at this time of year. Is there much dialogue with the club with this kind of issue? Well, there's there's a bit of dialogue, but the club are in a very difficult position because, of course, you're selling your season tickets based on an average price in those stands, and therefore you've got to sell tickets for. for 
for people who aren't season ticket holders. If if you're not a season ticket holder, the reality is you've got to sell those tickets at a higher price than the people who bought the season tickets. Otherwise, the people who bought the season tickets and the 40,000 of them will be up in arms. Of course, the game would normally be played, wouldn't it, on a, a Saturday or a Sunday at a reasonable time, but it's being played on a Monday night. And I think it's a, it's a very difficult one for uh, the club. But I think the reality is last night... It wasn't far off from actually being a sellout. It's not It's not the lack of sales that's creating the empty seats. It's people who just either won't go, even though they've got a season ticket, won't go because it's live on the television and that Monday night game is an inconvenience. Or they can't go because people have, you know, people have got to work. People have got to look after kids. You know, people have other things that they need to do on a Monday evening rather than just go to the football. And, and that is the reality of it. And I'm not sure whether there's a great deal more that the club can do. The club have got a scheme where if you can't go to the game, you can put your ticket on the ticket exchange and sell it at one nineteenth of the price. So they are cheaper tickets probably than a normal match day ticket. And those tickets still aren't being sold because a Monday night at 8 o'clock generally is an inconvenience. You know, a Thursday night against Liverpool when we're playing the top of the league trying to catch them up, that's still an inconvenience. But I suppose it's a little bit of a more attractive game. Nobody wants to miss that game, do they? Completely. But the empty seats for me, seriously, I, I listen to people talk about it and it winds me up a little bit. But... I, I generally now ignore it because I don't think there's a great deal that you can do about it. It's not the product. It's the product we've got is the best product in the Premier League. It's possibly the best product in Europe. So it's not the product. And therefore, if it's not the product, which none of us wanted to go when Stuart Pearce was manager, but if it's not the product, then it's got to be price or it's got to be availability to get to the stadium. Yeah. And I think it's a combination of the two. Do I think it's going to change? I honestly don't think it's going to change a great deal. And by the way, Cundy, you know, he talks, <laughs> about City's, he talks about City's empty seats. When City were playing in the third division, as it was, and we were getting, our average attendance was 28,000, and Chelsea were, win, were in the first division, their average attendance was 19,000. So he's a fine one to come on and talk about empty seats at the Etihad. I'm with you there, Kevin, without a doubt. Listen, we could listen to you all night, mate. Um, It's a hot topic. Uh, We've got a few callers that have come in for a a chat on this one. So thanks, Kevin. I appreciate your time. Uh, I'll I'll probably see you at the next home game. Uh, But thanks for coming on. That was Kevin Parker, General Secretary of the City Supporters Clubs there. We have got a caller on the line, uh, which we will go to now. We've got Callum. Uh, and Callum, I believe you're, you're you're kind of querying, does it really matter about the empty seats when we're, we're battering teams most weeks? No, I don't think it does. So that so what what's your point what's your point around that then? I mean are you you know, obviously, you know, from a, a visual point of view, I suppose it doesn't look great on the TV when you know when the seats are empty, but would you be quite happy if there was twenty thousand there every week but we were winning six nil every week? Would it not bother you about the atmosphere and, and, and kind of what's going on within the stadium? 
Right, right okay, yeah, yeah, Callum, um, maybe didn't get the idea of a live uh, radio show at this time. <laughs> Apologies to everybody who uh, may be offended by that. Um, yeah, I mean, Callum's point there, Steve I mean, and, and, and concise, Sam. Concise, yeah. <laughs> it was very, very concise, yeah. But, I mean, you know, obviously we understand fans are a huge part of the match day experience. You know, the fans are not, uh, the players are not going to want to play in front of 20 fans. We know that. But the point he's making is it's the results on the pitch which means the most. Yeah, of course. That That is always the end game. It definitely matters but um, we just want to make sure that the, the, I guess going to the game uh, for one it's reasonably priced uh, two it's actually fun to be there in the stadium and three that there's a connection between the players and the fans and I think with all the great games like the Liverpool game when the, the crowd's roaring and everyone's there and going for it just it just feels more fun it's, it's more just memorable. natural isn't it like yeah it's like the the Champions League debate and the group City had people were complaining about not City not selling tickets for Champions League aside from the fact that you've got to pay extra on top of your season ticket, you can't force people to think a game is a big game. The yeah. Leon game was a really good game, but you can't tell people beforehand that it's it's not the same. Like, mm. if it was Liverpool's group, for example, if you had Napoli and PSG coming, there would be big games they would be selling out. Yeah. You, you, can't, you can't force these things. But the other thing is, all of these issues are completely true. But the other thing is, and City fans like readily admit this, and this is a lot of feedback we've had on, on Twitter today, but it's comparatively not as big a fan base as United and Liverpool. And Danny, you mentioned yeah. these issues. Other clubs have got these, yeah. but the thing the City don't have is five or ten people willing to queue up for every empty seat there is in the stadium because, you know, City are growing. They've missed out on one generation, really, yeah. Yeah. between, you know, the older guys and the young guys now who are supporting City because of, you know, just the state of the club the lack of success 15, 15 years, 20 yeah. years ago. Yeah. But now that's that's coming back, and I don't think it'll be a problem in the future, but for now there's just not quite that demand there, which is yeah. completely natural because of, you know, City's recent past. Yeah, and uh, we've got a, another caller on the line. We've got Gerard. Now, uh, I'm guessing there's a lot of people from Manchester listening to this show. I'd like to hope there is um, who get to the games. But Gerard, I believe you come over from Ireland for the games. Um and I'd say that's a pretty good dedication to filling your seat, mate. So welcome to the show. What's your what's your thoughts on this debate, Gerard? Uh, well, yeah, well, I go up, I go over for as many games as I can. But my ticket is always used. All my family are living in Woodenshaw, you know. So that's how that's how I got supporting them, you know. But um, like. Like, I have the budget, I have the ticket there, and my father's retired now, so any games that I can't go to or I choose not to go to, he goes. And the ticket is left in Wittenshaw, you know, so, like, if, if he can't make it, then I phone my cousins or my aunt and my uncle who have season tickets as well, but any of them that don't, or a mate of theirs, do they want to give the ticket to them and let them use it, like, you know, free of charge, like, you know, because it's not going to be used otherwise, like, you know. Mm. And... Like, a lot of times, they're finding it hard even to get someone to take it for free because of the, the like, last night, no, there was none of us there on Monday night. We couldn't go, go over from Ireland, you know, I can't get get days off work like that. I have to manage them if I want to go to the Champions League game or if I want to go, you know, to a different game throughout the season. I'm going to Newcastle now today, two weeks, so I'll be taking two days holidays today, you know. And they're finding it hard in Manchester, people that I know are friends of mine to go to the game. You know, like, where I'm finding it hard and they are finding it harder, like, you know, because people just can't afford it, like, to get out for Woodenshaw if they didn't have, if they didn't, I know you can get the tram there now and that, but by the time you get back home from that day and then you've got work in the morning, you know what I mean? It's not, so 
some people just it's, it's not worth their way like you know what I'm saying there's, yeah. there's loads of things that, that go into it isn't there Gerard I th- thanks very much for that mate we've got Adam on the phone now Adam what have you got to say um well, I was at the game last night, and even though there was a large amount of empty seats in the ground, the one thing that annoys me is that we always get given that tag of like being plastic fans, and we have that SCR, empty agile thrown at us, and um, it's more to do with the, like if we're not just there to spectate, we're there to support. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think Adam, I think it's got to a point where we're so beyond criticism from a footballing point of view. I think some some people just want to look for another stick to beat us with. You know, it's almost like they're picking at anything because they can't pick at the football. Yeah, exactly. Everyone hates the top teams. And to be fair, you know, when United were you know doing it in the two thousands, so I've been supporting City all my life. So I've always been you know been born to hate Man United. But, um, <laughs> good lad, good breeding. Oh yeah, um, but you know we were calling United for trade and stuff like that, plastic fans, and you know even though we didn't necessarily know it's true because everyone knows a Man United fan, especially from the what's it called Manchester. You know you have them in your, um, in schools where you work. Mm. You know you know for a fact that you know every club's still got loyal fans, but it's almost become like a bit of like a thing with Manchester, uh, like. It, Every fan is a plastic fan, but you know, in the nineties and stuff like that, without the fans going through the turnstiles, you know, the club just wouldn't exist. Yeah, I agree, Adam. I think in general you've touched on something uh, that I think is a bit of a problem uh, with this kind of debate in general, that it gets dumbed down uh, for clicks, essentially, and for arguments on Twitter and for tribalism. And it's the one thing about this kind of debate that generally annoys me because I think there is uh, real serious issues about affordability, about scheduling, about uh, a lack of kind of disconnect for the competition in the Premier League these days. And it's not just at Man City. It's not a, a solely Man City thing. And I think my problem with this, all these jokes about that is not because it's at the target Manchester City. I see a lot because of that but it's because I think it um, it doesn't hold the clubs, clubs accountable they kind of get away with it because us as fans are too willing to mock each other well I think sometimes I wish sometimes the fans would actually take each other's side because we've seen what they can do with the, uh, the away ticket limit prices and all that kind of stuff when they actually get together and go well do you know what uh, well, yeah, maybe they haven't got the biggest fan base. We can laugh for that all we want to. But what essentially we're doing is laughing at them for not being able to afford it, which is to me, it's a bit, you know, it's a bit childish, really. Mm-hmm. And I just sometimes wish um, that we, we kind of banded together and looked to kind of deal with this as a bunch of fans collectively, because mm-hmm. we're essentially, we're all in the same situation, aren't we, really? Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Well, uh, um, yeah, we're going to be back after the break. Uh, I think it's interrogation time for uh, for Sam, so I hope he's ready for it. Uh, get your <laughs> questions in if you've got any questions, any transfer room questions anything that you uh, you want us to speak about in the studio give us a call 03451 or get us on text 87711 join us after the break Excess Manchester Manchester City Football Social Manchester but heading away from the city and also further up near Presswich it's still slow with the lane closure near the Hilton Lane Junction near to Fairfax Road as well um, things are getting better though from what I can see uh, it's a little busy on Chester Road coming into Manchester uh, heading towards the city up towards the Mancunian Way Junction busy up towards Chester Road roundabout still coming in from Old Trafford and Stretford that's the latest I'm Nick Arkell Manchester City Football Social with Blue Moon Rising Hello and welcome back to the Manchester City Football Social. It is a lovely Tuesday night and I'm joined by Steve McInerney and Fanzone Danny. 
Not an awful lot of time left to get in touch, but if you do want it, you can call us on 0345 7625 or text us on 87711. I think we're going to use this final session to talk a little bit about Yaya Torre's appearance <laughs> on the Monday Night Football last night. That was exciting, wasn't it? That was, and then um, I think we're going to go to Twitter and see what people have been asking us since the start of the show. So, yeah, let's crack on. Yaya Torre and where else to start, seeing as he didn't say anything too controversial, than with this ultimate team that he picked the best 11 players he's ever played with quite something wasn't it <laughs> yeah it, uh, it was it was quite offensive in you know in terms of attack, <laughs> attack minded yeah um not the most balanced uh, team you'll ever see but i suppose with yaya he, he, he kind of goes with his heart doesn't he you know he looks at, i don't think he overly thinks things through sometimes <laughs> uh, i think he kind of just says things and he's probably just picked the fam- his favorite players i mean to miss david silver out of that team shall is i run through the crazy. team yeah run, run through the team so thing. we've got like a, a a free 142 thing going on you've got edison in goal which is a surprise i guess he said yeah he said Valdez wasn't that good with his feet. He said he was good <laughs> enough, a, but yeah. Edison's next level. Well, there we go. That's not, not hard to argue with. We've got a very interesting centre-back pairing, a free at the back of company, which I think no one can really argue with, and Puyol as well. But then, interestingly, you've got Marquez there, uh, Rafael Marquez, and he said he's better than PK. Go watch him on YouTube, and that's why he's in his team. And then this is where it gets really crazy, and this is where Yaya's <laughs> had some fun, shall we say. He's got Iniesta, a holding midfield, yeah, Iniesta. And then, for some <laughs> reason, um, he's gone for everyone. Uh, Sarni makes it on the right wing, and then we've got got in midfield behind Eto'o and Drogba behind Eto'o and Drogba Aguero Messi and Henri that is goals that is um, that is scary yeah. uh, what do you make of that Danny it's just it's just he's got like I say he's, he spoke from the heart there I think it's more probably I mean you, you can laugh, agree with seven or eight of them um, some players though aren't they yeah it'd be, uh, be worth a few quid that team I don't think there's any doubt about that but um, if he that, rocks up in management and he picks a team like that then <laughs> yeah. great but I mean give him the benefit of the doubt it was it was a bit of a laugh and he's I'd like to think he's just gone out, ah, why not? And you get yeah. a bit of a reaction you know from it. I would love to watch that team play. I would love to watch that team. I'd love to watch any team play, regardless of who the players are in that formation. <laughs> yeah, free I'd one. love to see City try it. Oh, do you know what? I think Pep's looking at that thinking, I could do that. To be know? honest, it's not far off, is it? No, it's not that far off anyway. But should we go to a few uh, comments on Twitter? Because uh, Sam and Danny and myself have been tweeting about your questions. And one of the big ones I saw from at After Hours Zone uh, said, many of the big European teams like Barca, Bayern and Madrid are off peak at the moment and the competition seems comparatively thinner. So the question is, does this season feel like City's best opportunity to win the Champions League? Right, who's going to take that one first? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, last season was as well, and that was the whole problem with running into Liverpool and everything that went for and against City in those two ties, generally against, in fairness. Um, It was a big opportunity last year because it was pretty similar. But now, around this time last year, we had, oh, okay, well, Real Madrid, they're not doing so well, but they've got Ronaldo and it's Real Madrid. They can always come back. I don't think they're as certain to come back into it this time. Bayern Munich, as he says, Barcelona, a lot of fans unhappy with Valverde there. So... It really is a good opportunity for City, but that said, you know, City have had problems in the Champions League this season. They've played teams against Lyon who have been willing to attack them and, you know, swarm them in midfield and yeah. get at them. You can't really do that in the Premier League. A lot of teams aren't built for that, but a lot of teams in Europe are. And we're not even talking the top level. Teams like Borussia Dortmund, you know, That'd things like that, just, just, just teams willing to give it a bit of a go against City. So it is a, it is a great opportunity, but it's it's far from a, a foregone conclusion. I'm already having a, a fears of the idea of Sancho scoring a late winner uh, for Dortmund. <laughs> at some point. Danny, like, is this the kind of is this more important now? Some people would say that Champions League is, is you know the final frontier for us, uh, and that's more important than the Premier League this season. I don't really buy into that personally because I think the league's the bread and butter. But what's your take on it? Completely that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think. Um, 
the hierarchy of the club, I, I, they, they have definitely set the sights on the Champions League. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think if we asked them that question, Steve, I think they would say the Champions League. I think they, if they were honest. I think, but for me, the bread and butter is always going to be the Premier League. And I, I really think this season we'll never have a better chance. I mean, you know, you look at the draw we've got, um, you'd like to think we're going to be good. It was probably the easiest of the draws that we could have get, got getting Schalke, yeah. you know, second leg at the Etihad. Um, you know, and a lot of this, as we know with cup competitions, a lot of it is the look of the draw. You know, when Chelsea won it, they weren't the best team in Europe. I think they finished yeah. sixth or seventh yeah. in the Premier League, but they got the look of the draw, they got the decisions, and it's going to be a lot of that. You know, whole new story, but it's whether UEFA will ever let us win the the, the, the Champions <laughs> League. But that's maybe a debate for uh, for another time. But I think we've got the squad, I, I, and I feel, Steve, that the, you know, the more this season goes on, the more we get our players, our key players, back and fit. You know, you could have the back end of the season now we, we could have the likes of De Bruyne completely fit Fernandinho Silva's missed time Aguero's missed time Benjamin Mendy could come back and be and be fit till the end of the season so I think we'll we'll be proper well yeah maybe I'm <laughs> overly optimistic with that one but, but I think we will be properly set up to win it and I think it's as good a chance as we're ever going to have yeah and I guess there's a few more questions coming as well and this is from Mac it's Man City Army 1894 and this one's for Sammy because Sammy's the, uh, the transfer guru oh. I've oh, been sighing already he's <laughs> really already sigh. terrified I'm going to ask you about De Jong for five minutes now not really uh, he said no, no, uh, Mac no. said is there any chance City can speed up a summer move to January and look to replicate the Laporte deal because it has, it has good connotations getting a player in January because you have that half a season to bed them in uh, yeah. is there any chance of that I mean Pep has been quite adamant about the no January thing yeah, well, I mean, this is an easy way to make myself look stupid within a fortnight. <laughs> at least it's not immediately like it normally is. Uh, yeah, well, this is a relatively easy one, I think, because, look, the club obviously know the benefits of signing a player now and having them bed in, which is exactly what happened with Laporte a year ago. Yeah, But I think there's other considerations, which means they're not. And, you know, we have kind of fortunate that Guardiola was so strong on the record about this. So we've not, as journalists and fans, spent too much time worrying about what City are going to do this month in terms of bringing a new face in to, to contribute straight away. You know, the way Guardiola said, if we, even if we've got injuries, we'll just go to the youth team. That's a big statement. You know, and Guardiola knows how things work. He might not really care when it comes to it, but that will get thrown back into his face if someone was to get injured and instead of going to the youth team, they wouldn't spend £60 million on someone. So yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. From what I know, Guardiola does really want a left-back. Well, you might assume it would be the midfielder, but he does really want a left-back. And he's kind of, as far as I know, been making that case behind the scenes. Um, but I think City, whether they think it wouldn't be cost-effective, because if you look to Mahrez as well, they tried to sign Mahrez last year, that would have been £90 million. They got him for 60 in the summer. So you can imagine the CEO, Ferran Soriano, saying, yeah, these players are all well and good. We could definitely get these players, but they're going to cost too much now you got Mendy coming back in February. You're going to have to go for, with it from there. So no, I, I'd be really surprised if City signed a first-team player this month. I, I like this tweet that, um, that I've had come in here. This is a cracker. This is from McConnell Andy on Twitter. It's something we've both talked about. Is Emerson a better midfielder than Pogba? Good lad, Andy. <laughs> I like that question. Uh, I love Edison. He's, How he's mad was that cold. yesterday? I was burst out laughing at that. He's the kind of person. He's not right. He's not right. <laughs> he's not right, but, but he's but he's also not wrong either. But at the same he's time, are not right. That's but yeah, he's are not right. And there's many words that I, I would like to utter, but I can't say on air because um, certain people will be listening. But I just love that you go to a game and enjoy watching a goalkeeper. I mean, I never grew up doing that other than when we were getting battered. But now you watch him because he plays the kind of passes or does the kind of things that you associate with uh, like attacking midfielders, and he brings this kind of air of composure to uh, the game that is just is a treasure. 
And the dressing was Guardiola's face after that moment. But yeah. he legged it out. <laughs> Do you think Pep had a word with him after that? Yeah, well, this is the thing with Guardiola. He did a radio interview and he was asked about it and he kind of shook his head. He was like, no, 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 no. Like, as <laughs> it, don't like that. But then he was asked about it again in the press conference and Guardiola was the master. If he thinks like a kind of, for want of a better phrase, media agenda is coming, if he thinks we're going to make a big deal of it, he'll go the other way. So he was asked about it and we all expected him to say, oh yeah, it's disrespectful, kind of like he did with Sterling at the end of the derby. Yeah. But he just went on about how he is with the ball and he said, Edison is Edison. <laughs> he does what he does and that's why we love him. And for that reason, it was fine. But I think, yeah, privately he'd have said, look, don't mess around, don't be disrespectful, don't take chances even at 3-0. But like from, from our point of view, you know, observers, whether fans or journalists, he's so much fun. He's such good value, Edison. And as as a colleague said to me a couple of weeks ago, life would be poorer without him. That's uh, very concise words. I think we've got a minute left. Any final thoughts before we wrap it up, Dan, of yourself and Edison? No, I think uh, looking ahead to to the weekend, I think very quickly, the Huddersfield game. uh, I'd wish the dreaded new manager manager bounce. If if anyone can get a bounce out of that lot, I mean, I'm I'm not being disrespectful to Huddersfield, but they're they're punching us seriously both their way. Huddersfield fans, they're not expecting anyone to stay up, but talking about good atmospheres, could be a decent atmosphere at the weekend. They're not going to try anything different against City, but it was a difficult last game last year, and yep. it could be, it could be a tricky one. It's one of those where you, you throw things into the title race, and this is a bit of bad fortune for City in the fact that they're coming up against a struggling team. But maybe with a bit of positivity behind them for once. Yeah, I'm, well, I, I, yeah, I'm well, hoping for an easy win there, despite the the buoyancy they look at. I think if anything, it might make them a little bit naive. That's what I'm hoping that their energy will get them carried away. They won't be quite as defensive for last season, and there won't be a new manager in place by then anyway. No, so it's, maybe there'll be um, a caretaker. Yeah, Mark it's, the caretaker doesn't always have quite the the same effect. Well, listen, that is the end of another Manchester City football social. Thank you very much. It's been great having you in the studio, Sam, and yeah, we'll see you again very, very soon. <laughs> Steve, I'm sure we'll see you and hear Monday you again nights. Monday night. Yeah, the, uh, next week, um, uh, and that's it. Uh, thank Thank you, everybody, for your calls, your texts, your tweets. Uh, lock in excess Manchester as we talk City and United 6 till 7 every weekday night. Uh, and you can join us again tomorrow for the Wednesday Club. You follow them from the stands. You follow them on the telly. You follow them in the pub. Now, you can follow City here. Play my flash briefing. All the latest Manchester City news is now available as a daily update via Amazon Smart Speaker. Just search Manchester Football Social in store now to get the latest news from the Etihad whenever you want it without lifting a finger. Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Oh my gosh, I'm adopting a puppy right now, but I realize what's at home. Oh no, I have nothing. Well, except unconditional love. 
But yeah, no crate, no pee-pee pads, no dental chews for his little puppy teeth. Before I doubt myself as a new parent, I just get Instacart to deliver everything from PetSmart. Easy, just like raising a puppy is going to be, right? Get pet essentials from PetSmart with Instacart. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply.